Uh, alert Brian Miller. Alert Brian Miller. Code 14. <laughs> There's just this red <laughs> light that flashes in his eyes. Staff 1X29 <laughs> is code 3. <laughs> I see and hear everything. <laughs> Hello, thanks for tuning into the podcast. This is episode 25, the podcast run by the guys and girl that run everything else here as always with me is my good buddies chris hey guys and rachel hello my name is brad and today we have a great well i wouldn't say great it's just an i would interview. say you uh, well i was gonna it say was a great interview it's fantastic yeah, yeah so chris and i um sans rachel got to go up to tulsa and interview jake hartsfield tulsa is- <laughs> oh my so- gosh Got to interview um, Jake. He is uh, production managing and running front of house audio for Ben Rector right now on the yeah, Magic Tour. Is. And so we just want to start off and we're going to jump right right into the interview and then we'll come right back up afterwards and in this thing. So enjoy this interview. Okay, so we're here with Jake Hartsfield. Um, Jake, tell us w- what you're doing right now uh, before we start grilling you with all the, the really good questions. But tell us what you're doing right now. Right now, today, um, I'm with Ben Rector, mixing front of house and production managing. Um, today, we happen to be in Tulsa, Oklahoma, mm. um, an arena show. This uh, tour, though, is mostly theaters and large clubs, so like it's been t- like 1,500 cap rooms all the way up to like 5,000, nice. which is where you saw yep. the show last. In Dallas, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, well, we want to know, first off, maybe tell us just how you got into sound. Maybe how you got okay. into mixing. What began that whole thing? So in high school, I grew up in Cary, North Carolina, and I sang and played guitar I played a little piano, um, and I played in a pop rock emo band. What was the name of it? Well, it went through several iterations. Okay, yeah. yeah. The, mm-hmm. the first name, terrible, was Cold Stay. Cold um, Stay. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Coldplay yeah. was popular. Right. I, right. I didn't think it was a problem to, uh, yeah. to have it be I like so that. similar. Cold Stay. Yeah, Cold that's stay. fine. I think it's fine. It ended up being in our own words in the end. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's emo. Yeah. That's super emo. And you did what in the band? I sang, I was a lead singer. Okay, wow. Okay. Did, and you guitar. also play guitar? Yeah. All right. Okay, cool. Um, so I recorded my own music, like our, you know, our band, and that's how I got into recording. And I just, I guess I'm pretty technical-minded. Yeah, I don't sure. know, I'm science-y, uh-huh. but also artsy. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I enjoyed learning about, like, the technical aspects of recording and, and also setting up a PA. Um, we had like a rehearsal PA that uh, one of my uncles gave me that we used like the whole time we had a band. Nice. Um, and we used it for some shows too. Nice. Um, like you stacked it or you flew? No, it wasn't like a nice PA that <laughs> right. you would do anything like that with. Yeah. It was like a, a rack with 
a, you know, a 16 band EQ, a graphic right. EQ right. Yeah, yeah. and like a couple amps that looked, that were like a hundred pounds each, okay. like the really old black right. yeah, yeah. PV amps. And yeah. then like a combination of eight random kind of wedge speakers. Okay. There you go. Two of them were larger. And we yeah. use those as the mains. The mains. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. They actually yeah. had pretty good low end. Too. Okay, so it's you're great. in a band. You're setting up this little system. Yeah. Getting experience with that. Then what? Where? Where's the switch from singing on the stage to? Um, I mean, that happened right uh, in the probably freshman year of college. Okay. okay. So I sang and played guitar in the band like middle school and high school, and senior year of high school, I think I recorded my first band that was not us, you know? Right. Um, just some friends of like the bass player, I think. Yeah. And they came over to my house and we recorded like a demo. Um, and that was the first time I just got pro tools. Nice. Um, and I just bought a pair of KRK RP eights. Okay. Um, yeah. On eBay. And that was like setting those up in our bonus room was the first time I ever heard like real, music like real sound uh-huh. before that i think i'd only experienced music in my car and on a pair of really terrible like sony over the ear headphones but like the ten dollar kind right yeah. yeah yeah right um so getting those krk monitors and like plugging in my ipod to them and playing music back it was like that was an eye-opening experience like a new world it was just amazing yeah yeah, yeah to yeah. actually be able to hear music the way it was supposed to be heard right um but that was that was senior year of high school, which for me was 2007. Okay. Um, and then I went to Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. Yep. And there were just so many talented kids there. And that's about the time when I just gave up on <laughs> music. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just surrounded by so many talented people. Yeah. Um, and I quickly realized, like, I wasn't going to go anywhere trying to be one of the better, like, guitar players or have a band okay, yeah. I, I wanted to do that when i got there i was like man i'm gonna find the best musicians and i'm gonna make a band yeah and then that's how that's what we're gonna do uh-huh. yeah i didn't have a plan but that was just it was all just fun for me you right know? yeah um but i quickly realized no one else was making demos like no one else had pro tools or knew what to do right and so i just went to everybody uh everyone I liked, everyone I thought was a really talented musician or artist. And I said, Hey, do you have a demo? Um, they'll be like, no, I don't have a demo. Or they might've had something they did at home. Like that just sounded terrible. And yeah, like, like, Hey, I'll just record a demo for free. Um, and then if you like it, you can use it. And so I basically got every person in our freshman class to like record a demo wow. with me. Yeah. That's awesome. And, uh, which was like, you know, 50 artists. You right. know, yeah. Something like That's that. awesome. Um, and I, I mean, maybe like a dozen of them are actually still professionally doing things okay. in different, you know, groups or yeah. solo configurations. But, awesome. um, so how did you transfer from that to like live sound? So sophomore year, um, I was rooming with three other musicians, um, at Belmont and one of my roommates named Caleb Crosby is a drummer mm-hmm. and he started playing with this um, guitar player named Tyler Bryant. And Tyler is like an insane, insanely talented guitar player. Uh, and he also sings. Um, and it's kind of like old school classic rock. Okay. Um, 
with a little bit of an edge. Their newer stuff, he's still playing music now. The newer stuff is like on the edge of metal, kind of. Okay. Just to make, I think it's more of a label, like commercial thing. Right. That's kind of how the sound evolved over the last, you know, 10, 12 years. Sure. Uh, but sophomore year, towards the end, Caleb said, hey, Jake, Tyler, Tyler's taking us on a tour in the summer. We're wondering if you want to come mix front of house for us. And so I, I jumped at that idea because I thought it sounded a lot like a lot of fun. Right. Um, and that was my first time like mixing anything. The first show that I actually put my hands on a live sound console was Third and Lindsley in Nashville, which is a really small venue, and it was like an old 16-channel or 24-channel analog mixer. And I was so scared. I was like sitting there in a chair next to the house guy. Oh, yeah. right. I was just like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to watch you. And then maybe I'll like put my fingers on the faders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was just mortified the whole show that something was going to go wrong. Because in the live world, like anything you do is immediately audible. Right. Right. Yeah. And so if you mess up, then everyone hears it. And I was mm-hmm. just like, that was shocking to me to like, process that while the show is going right, on like oh right. my gosh what right what am i doing um i really had no idea what i was doing and the next show that i actually mixed i think was like in an arena um the first show of that tour was nice so the first show <laughs> that i mixed was was like a one-off yeah right before this okay arena slash amphitheater tour. Okay. And so Tyler was opening for Ario Speedwagon and okay. Sticks. That's crazy. So the first show was Ario Speedwagon, Sticks, 38 Special, and then we were the first support act. Right. Yes. And uh yeah, I was on an M seven, a Yamaha M seven. Yeah. And actually before before this, I had been on an M seven at a church before. Okay. at Long Hollow Baptist Church in Hendersonville. Okay, yeah. So I had a lot of friends that um, led worship up there, a lot of musicians that played in the band. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was one thing. I got really involved uh, during this time or soon after, and I mixed monitors um, there, and they had an M7 at okay. Monitors. I think okay. we did. Uh, it was Salt was there like a few I years ago. I think that's true, yes. So yeah. I think we've been there. Yeah. I don't know. Cool. It's been, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a, a while. It's, it's a really nice campus. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, really cool church a lot of my friends are still there okay so you're you were on an m7 there yeah they had an m7 at monitors okay they had a uh, i think a pm5d at front of house okay Okay. um and yeah i guess honestly i learned a lot about eq shaping from jeff lemons the front of house engineer there at long hollow yeah i was going to ask you where did you it seemed like you had to learn a lot of stuff yourself. Where did you? I did. I learned everything just by experience. So I, I learned a lot about the EQ curves for like vocals and guitars and some drums from Jeff. And, and Jeff, Jeff was what was he was the front of house engineer at Long Hollow. Okay. Um, and also like they already had a scene dialed in for monitors, right. so right. I was just hopping on and like learning. Yeah. And right. I remember shadowing before I got to mix. I shadowed another engineer for a while yeah. to where I got frustrated enough, like listening right. to yeah. him make mistakes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not mistakes, but just do things very differently than yeah. I would do them. Uh, people would ask for things and I would just see him move the wrong fader or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I won't say 
who this person yeah, 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 was, yeah, yeah. Right. but um, yeah, uh, no one that's there now. Um, but I remember I'm I'm pretty like OCD and. I probably have control issues. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't sound like that doesn't sound like an that, audio guy. Audio, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, it was it was difficult for me to watch, even though I was brand new and I didn't have a ton of experience. I had enough to know like that doesn't sound right. 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 Um, so, what were some things that Jeff did? Was he just like, "Hey, let me show you some things"? Were you asking him? I think there's a there's a lot of people that listen to this that is like a Jeff. Yeah. And so, what what were some things that he did that was like? that was really helpful for you. Man, Jeff was just a really great mentor throughout the whole my whole time at Long Hollow. Um, Did you ask him to be a mentor or was he just like, hey, I'm going to No, he's just, that's just his personality. Yeah. yeah. It's just super laid back. I mean, we have very similar personalities. I'm generally a very laid back person and everyone at Long Hollow, like the culture and um, the way Jeff is, is just very casual and yeah. positive and, um, and happy. And I, you know, I fit right in when I met Jeff. Right. Um, and uh, Jeremy Brown is currently, I think he's, the, I don't know the title, but maybe production manager. Sure. Um, but he handles a lot of stuff at Long Hollow. He's one of my close friends. Okay. okay. Um, and I think Jeff still mixes there, but he's more part-time. And Jeremy sure. took over the logistical things nice. for, around, you know, audio and production. Um, but yeah, I think, I just remember sitting with Jeff in the booth at, it was one, a church where we have like a booth right like yeah. walls yeah. around the sides in the back yeah the front house and you could sit down and lean up against the back yeah wall. yeah so during the sermon <laughs> i would just sneak out to front of house and sit there with jeff right and, and we just hang out um, nice. and every now and then he would like go to the bathroom and i would watch front of house while he was there and i i rarely mixed front of house there but um I just really liked the way he EQ'd everything. Everything sounded perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the PA was just very smooth, uh, really pleasing to listen to. And I mean, it, I think it sounded the way a lot of churches should sound. Yeah. It, it was, the floor was carpeted and so it was pretty dry. Um, mm. and it wasn't like super loud, uh, but everything sounded really full, yeah. really clean. Yeah. And that's just, I love hearing things big full and clean right and that's generally the way i mix i think yeah that's cool so you uh you learned pro tools in college early high school yeah i don't know you, exactly the timeline when it comes to the long hollow versus the tyler bryant touring yeah. I, I learned so much with the tyler bryant touring because that's like right. we were doing these arena shows amphitheaters sure. and then also clubs with like 20 people right because it was his first time playing shows ever like right, as right. a new artist but that's kind of where you got, learn your chops that's where i learned all the house. live stuff yeah, yeah yeah all the front of house stuff and i mixed monitors from front of house right most of my career right yeah what um, is what what pops in your head when someone's like m7 when they say m7 what's what's going through your head if they're talking like. about the console yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i think the m7 was a great console to to learn on um i th i really like the way uh, the graphics are for the Yamaha EQ. I think the yeah. EQ matches the way it sounds. Yeah. So it's just very, uh, I don't know the word. Um, there's good synergy between what you're seeing and what you're hearing. Okay. And I think when you're learning about frequencies, it's important to be able to see the frequency on, on a spectrum. 
right. and see, oh, that's like really high up there or that's right in the middle or that's way low down there. Right. You can also close your eyes and learn frequencies. But I think sometimes it's harder to imagine the difference between 500 hertz and 5,000 hertz unless you see it on a graph. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's, that's about a quarter of the way and three right. quarters of the way along right. the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you uh, graduate college in, you said like 2011? is when I graduated. Okay, so yeah. you're what, 31, 30, 30? I am 29, about to be 30. Okay. Oh. 30. All right. <laughs> so you do this arena tour slash club tour slash amphitheater amphitheater yep. tour. Uh, fast forward to now mixing for Ben Rector. What happened there? Um, I, I've mixed for maybe, I don't know, 20 or 30 different artists between okay. now and then. It was kind of a stair step process. Right after Tyler, I also started mixing for an artist named Denver in the Mile High Orchestra. Okay. Who is, uh, That's my favorite band. Really? I Wait, know, his name know, is Denver? Yeah, his name in is Denver. In the Mile High Orchestra band. Yeah. yeah. The, his name is actually Denver, and then the name of the band is a play off of that. Okay. Right, yeah. I've actually yeah. never heard the band, but... Okay. He's a, I was just trying to He's a trumpet relate. player and okay. singer, and he has a, it's a big band. That's awesome. Show. So okay. it's Christian, yeah. Christian yeah. big band. Sounds um, like a lot of inputs. It actually wasn't a ton. Really? Uh, we had an analog... I don't remember what... It was an Allen and Heath, I think. Okay. It was like a 48 channel... Okay. Analog console. It was massive. Right. Um, but, uh, and it permanently damaged my toe. <laughs> it was like a snowing day coming out of the trailer. It fell on my, oh, on dang, my foot. Dude. It was before I knew about steel toe shoes. Steel toe shoes. Because yeah. that was like my probably second or third year touring. Okay. And I didn't, yeah, I didn't know anything. So you're, you're coming off, let's say you do that arena tour, finishing college. Are you like, man, I want to, I want to do this. I want to go on the road. Or are you, I mean, I'm assuming you're still doing studio stuff or are yeah, you just I trying still to create do studio a balance stuff. or what are you yeah big picture um obviously today right now i'm with ben rector we're doing a show um but as soon as this tour wraps i go back into studio mode for pretty much the rest of the year okay okay i've been doing studio recording and mixing like about 50 percent of my time throughout the whole my whole touring okay life I, I, so it's about 50 50 yeah and then the I would say my touring career has skipped ahead a little quicker than my studio career. And I'm, I'm mainly just mixing in the studio side of things. That's what I enjoy the right. most. Um, but uh, touring, I can make more money quicker. Sure. The downside is being away from my wife. Um, so that's, uh, that's the balance that I've been trying to strike. She sure. would love it if I did not tour anymore. Um, which I think it would be great if I could just make a ton of money doing studio stuff. Yeah. Um, but realistically, I think I probably still need to tour a little bit sure. to, to balance out the equation. Yeah. How long have you been married? We've been married six years. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, any kids? Not yet. Okay. okay. Um, but, you know, maybe quite soon we'll we'll start thinking about yeah. it well just let us know whenever you're wanting to leave nashville and head to the big city <laughs> we could open yeah. some room up for you yeah uh, there's a lot of stuff you're in welcome dallas. in dallas anytime cool um, appreciate it yeah <laughs> okay so let, let's move forward to now okay so you're 
What are you working on now? What's your console now? I'm assuming you're not on an M7. Yep. Um, what are you on now and why? I'm on a Digico SD12. Not a sponsor, but... Yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm on an SD12. I, it's my first tour on an SD12, and I really like it. Um, just to back up a little bit, I did a tour with Ben, same inputs, like mostly the same band, in 2016, and I brought out an SD, SD9 for that okay. tour. And that was my first time on a Digico period. Okay. Um, and I really liked it. Um, there are a few things I don't love about Digico. One is the networking between the console and the stage rack. Yeah. Um, it's kind of difficult to backline for a one-off. And then, cause when you get there, you have to pray that I, I'm sure people that actually know what they're doing can like would laugh at this, but right. I'm always mortified that I'm going to show up and none of my head amps are going to recall, right? You know, because yeah. it's someone wiped the 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 SD rack clean and like for some reason my console did not save the correct head amp levels. I've had it happen several times before, yeah. and I don't yeah. know I'm doing something wrong. Clearly, but um, <laughs> it's just I haven't had good luck. Yeah, yeah. For one-offs, I mean, it's also they're a little harder to find um, for a one-off situation. Right. Uh, so my go-to on a one-off is right now is a venue profile. Okay. Or a D show. Sure. Usually a profile is plenty of space. We're an SD48. Right. Um, plenty of channels, and I, I like those because I really like using a C6 on vocals. Yeah. And I can. It's the one console I know. It's gonna have a built-in C6, right? And I just bring my Waves key. Right. Um, the Digico stuff, I've got a backline like a Waves Extreme server, and right. then a Mac Mini and a screen, and then hope all the networking works. And then yeah. like a switch, like there's just a. Right. It's a nightmare to try to set up just for like one show when you really need all your time, just tuning the PA and plugging things in and sound checking. Sure. Um, so maybe I'll get better at that. Maybe <laughs> if I want to try rebuilding this rig for a one-off situation, but for now I'm super happy just on a profile in those situations. Sure. Yeah. Um, I also tour with Wolfpack a little bit. Oh, really? Um, I've done the last year and a half with them, and I had to step away last fall because it conflicted with Ben's tour. Yeah. Um, but I'm doing a show with them at Red Rocks in a month. Nice. And uh, it'll be the third show we've done at Red Rocks that That's I've done cool. with Wolfpack at Red Rocks. Yeah. Um, and with them, I just use a profile. Right. And it's so, it's perfect for them. It's super simple, the easiest console to backline. And right. they backline everything. It's all fly dates, don't carry anything. I literally carry it's awesome. a tiny uh, overhead bin suitcase with me, and no yeah. gear. Right. I mean, I carry. Uh, you know, a small bag full of gear that has the essentials. Right. Yeah. Um, headphones and a two channel interface for smart, right. and a smart microphone. And that's essentially it. Yeah. That's awesome. If you had a, uh, we were talking about this on the way here. If you had a Thanos glove, I don't, we don't know what the name oh, yeah. of it. I forget that. I don't know. What does he call it? I don't know. I don't know. I just know. We just said gauntlet glove cause it sounded <laughs> intense. Fancy. Yeah. But if you had one to get rid of a plugin, like if there's a plug-in on the market, you were like, "Oh, that I did I not th- like." I want to Thanos that thing out of the uh, out of existence. Is there one that you're like, "No, I don't think we need that one." 
that one should go. Is there a plugin that you hate? Where did this question come oh, from? Gosh, um, I mean, that's the mind of Brad. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's our listeners, really. They were <laughs> they were the <laughs> ones true. contacting us. Uh, no, actually, I've never had now that, that like I a plugin that it. I don't like. Yeah, uh, I mean, there are plenty that I don't use. Okay, um, the C six, I would say, is the one I. Well, let's play. Let's okay, do let's the opposite. Say this. Let's say this. Let's say you, you snap could, your finger yes. and it destroys all the plugins except for one. You only have one plugin. I would left. just keep the C six. But you it can can't be C six. That's the thing. Oh. <laughs> and it can't be. Oh, C6. You know what it would be then? If it worked on live consoles, the Fab Filter EQ because it has Fab dynamic. Is nice. It has yeah. dynamic EQ for any band. You have you used? So you can the, do anything with it. Have you used the F six? I haven't. And. I've been meaning to try it, but it's not in like Waves V9. Yeah, as you far have as to I go know. to V10. Yeah, yeah, and most most sound companies don't have V10 loaded on their profiles. Yeah, so it's I very can, annoying. Can never use it. Yeah, and uh, I feel like I bought it, but then I didn't have the right operating system at the time, so I've never been able to install or actually use it. Yeah. Well, Waves, if you guys want to give him a refund on his F6. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to us. just stop breaking people's plugins by releasing new versions, that's, that'd be great. Uh, well, talk to us now. Okay, so you're out with Ben's tour. You know, there's a specific sound that you're going for. Yeah. And you kind of alluded to a clean, big. Um, what are you thinking, uh, one, by just behind the console, your uh, a show's about to start, I think... Uh, even nowadays, if I'm doing something even large at the church, I get nervous still. Yeah. But tell me what you're thinking right before you start. And then when you when the show starts and you're going through, if you've got scenes and all that jazz, but what, what do you mainly think? Are you thinking, man, I want, I want this to sound exactly like the record? or And are you, how much mixing are you doing? Are you, oh man, I'm going to, you know, what's like your general philosophy to mixing live, at least on this tour? Um, so for this tour, we had some generous production rehearsal time. Um, not like months, like some bigger artists do, but I mean, we had three days of, uh, I think we had a week of band rehearsals and I could, I worked on my scene during that. No pressure because no one's listening. Yeah. And then we had a week of production rehearsals, like three solid days with the band and everything. Um, and I recorded multi-tracks so I could play back stuff when everyone was gone and just right. mix on headphones or on the PA, the rehearsal PA. Um, so I got my mix probably like 90% there or 95% there That's even great. before the tour started. Um, and then the first three shows, I got it kind of dialed into uh, probably, ni- I would say 95%. And then over the course of the tour, I made it to 100% okay. of where okay. it's like, I can't make this better it probably could be better but personally i can't i wouldn't do anything different i wouldn't know what to do different to make it better right um that's a nice feeling right yeah oh it felt great yeah Yeah. um and the the sd12 allowed me to get there yeah um there are other consoles that i've used where i've never been able to feel like i'm at 100 percent. it's like man i wish it sounded better but it's it's kind of out of my hands it's like the preamps or sure the top end just sounds it's not quite as smooth as I want it to be, but um, the Digico pretty much just lets me do whatever I want. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, during a show, I I don't get nervous anymore. And honestly, I do very little like mixing. Every show I do, I pretty much have everything dialed in, like sound wise, tone wise, and balance wise, before the show starts. 
and uh, all my scenes are levels like fader movements yeah, right. and or EQ changes. So all the actual EQ changes that happen are already programmed in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I always have my left fin- left hand on the lead vocal and my right hand on the vocal delay and reverb. Yeah. And that's how I spend pretty much the entire show. Just like pretty relaxed, but casually like writing verbs and delays to where, you know, however I want. Yeah. Uh, to emphasize certain lines or words. Um, and I know how Ben's going to sing it. So I know which words to boost and which words to pull back yeah. a little bit. Um, and which parts I really want to pull back his lead vocal a little bit and ride the verb up in the delay at the same time to kind of like create a big, like epic spatial sure. moment. And there yeah. are just a few of those in the show, not very many. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, besides that, there are like a few guitar solos and I will ride the guitar fader up for those. And then there are a couple songs where there's like a key, uh, a lead key part and a turnaround and I ride that up okay. a little bit and ride it back down. And those are things that where he's playing different parts like in the verse and then I need the same channel to come up like four or five dB. Right. So it's not doesn't make a lot of sense to program that into like a snapshot it's just one thing that i i do live sure um but pretty much the whole mix i could do not listening to the show like i could just do it blind or with right uh without hearing anything because i'm you know it's all like muscle memory i just know right what levels i'm looking at and i know that sounds crazy like yeah but don't you listen to anything and i am listening the whole show if something sounds weird then I bring that thing down or up or I adjust the EQ. But to me, I'm just listening. And I'm like, this sounds great. And I'm just going through my motions. Yeah. And uh, yeah, generally I get through the show and I'm like, that was a perfect show. That's um, awesome. Every day though, I set like limitations on kind of my expectation for how the show is going to sound based on the PA. Like we're not carrying PA. Right. Right. That's the one thing I don't have any control over. Um, as a production manager, I do have control over what I rent if, yeah. if it's uh, being brought in. But if it's a venue PA and like the deal's already done, like I can't right. supplement without taking the money out of the back end. Right. Um, and that's just kind of a balancing act of being a production manager. And sure. Selfishly, I would want the best PA at every single show, but there's obviously like it's going to be plenty but good. you're gonna get you're gonna take lights from the lighting guy always <laughs> yeah that, always. Is, that yeah. is that is the sad truth yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but what? generally we're at venues that are good enough where the pas are for the most part great yeah like yeah. it's not i haven't had any really bad pas there's what's, some rooms that sound weird what's but, your favorite like go-to pa right now do you have one it's a it's tough i think there are so many great pas that i have not heard yet it's bose yeah, those, those <laughs> I just feel like you he's can't gonna see. Say yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Not a sponsor. Yeah, I really like DMB. Um, a couple of years ago, I would have said DMB hands down, but lately, I don't know if it's because they went to like they made some smaller boxes that people are buying, but the smaller boxes, like the J's, sound amazing. Right. But all the boxes that are a little smaller, like the Q's, and I don't remember. I don't even know what the models are. Yeah, the T's are small. No. Yeah, there's like a the, the V low, especially V's. the lowercase T's. Yeah, yeah, the those lowercase are, yeah. T's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I think the lower boxes sound a little weird. Like they're okay. just trying to, they're distorting, or there's okay. some harmonic stuff going on when you try to drive them. Okay, hard. 
Uh, so we've been in a few really big rooms that have like really small DMB boxes. Yeah. Um, and it's been a little, yeah, just not as clean. There's just yeah. not as much headroom to, to work with, but I do like DMB. I think the new L acoustic stuff, um, generally sounds good. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, there's so many different model names and I'm just not sure. like super up to yeah, it's okay. when it comes to that. Cause I've never carried PA. Yeah. I've right. just mixed on a bunch of different PAs and regardless of whatever kind of PA it is, I can usually, t- I'm pretty good at tuning. Yeah. And so I just, you know, I tune it. So it's yeah, I'll, well, I'll say sound. to your credit, man, the Dow show sounded amazing. And I, I, I had not heard a, a vocal that sounded as good as it did that night. I mean, it was like, especially from the, uh, the band that was playing previously, it was almost like someone took a window out from in front of the PA. It was like yeah. that eye opening. And I was like, is everybody hearing? What just, <laughs> I was like, are, are we doing yeah, this? Is everybody hearing that? Yeah. Uh, uh, I will say that particular show, like I, we ran the opener through our console. And so he was using the same tuning I was, whether that was detrimental to his mix or it could have helped it. I would argue that it could have helped it because I like to tune PAs nice and flat and a little warm. Um, I'm actually favoring tuning them slightly brighter now. Usually I tipped it a little bit, so like there's more low end than top end. But I'm getting to the point where I actually really like the way they sound like just flat with then a gentle boost from... 180 down and then like a bigger boost at one at at 50 60 sure well what about let's talk about you know they were talking about all these great things i'm sure there's been some gigs that have not gone yeah super awesome i mean plenty i've i've had a few (laughs) and i've talked about it on this podcast but maybe what's one that sticks out in your head that you're like if you could take that moment back (laughs) yeah Yeah. you want to thanos that show yeah um, Marvel's not a sponsor. By yet. <laughs> yet, yet. Uh, I'm trying to think. There aren't any... Man, there were a few shows. Uh, honestly, it's less to do with audio than just... like I've always tour managed and production managed okay. most of the artists that I've toured with. And when I started working with Ben, that was one of the first times where there was a separate tour manager. And it's like, finally, I don't have to worry about yeah. that. Um, but I'm still production managing because I'm so, uh, (laughs) I can't let go of the control. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm also organized and I like, you know, spreadsheets and I don't use spreadsheets anymore, but I'm, I'm very detail oriented. So I I make sure things happen. Do you capitalize all your channel labels and stuff? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. 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 Unless I'm going for a specific lowercase vibe. Yeah. 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 You can tell a lot of a sound guy just by you know, just perusing the console, you're not like changing things, There's but just seeing how they label, yeah. you know, where, where the bass channel is. is that's a, a good, tell. that's a big telltale sign. Uh, where do yeah. you put your bass channel? Oh, I, I mean, I put, I go after drum, after drums. Yeah. But right I'm after drums. A, Mine's but I always came right from after a place drums. Yeah. that was the first channel. Yeah. Place oh, was the first channel. I've okay. known guys that they put the bass channel right next to the kick. Right next to the it's bass. It's the first, it's yeah. the first, yeah. Then, you, then you've got to label it. Yeah. You can't just say bass and bass. Yeah. Or kick and <laughs> you gotta bass call it drum. Yeah. Bass. Yeah. Guitar. Bass and kick. Yeah. Usually it's not that, that many. It's true. Uh, it's true. So characters. there's never been like a mixing moment where you just wanted to hide underneath your console. There have like, been. Oh. But honestly, the whole like, crowd thank like, God it's been a while since I've yeah. had one of those. Um, I think when I, like the first and second tour I did with Tyler, so the first tour was 
uh, Ario Speedwagon and Sticks. The second tour we did the next summer was Ario Speedwagon and Pat Benatar. Classic. Um, and that's when I think I learned the most about mixing from Ario's front of house guy. He was. Oh, I imagine, yeah, learning from guys. He was that, amazing. Yeah. He was very talented. Um, and he taught me to listen on headphones to my mix. And because we were in a lot of amphitheaters where you're kind of far away right. from the PA, and you're so there's a, ton of a the lot room. of reverb yeah. from the room. And I figured out that was so important because he taught, like he taught me that you just want to send, you want to make sure the mix coming out of the console sounds great. And then just know it's going to sound great everywhere else in the venue. Right. Because he, he was the one that was tuning it with his team. He right, knew that yeah. it was tuned well. Right. So he's like, all you got to do is make sure the mix sounds good out of the console. It'll sound good everywhere. Um, and that was, that's one of the biggest pieces of advice that I carry with me from, from that tour. Um, and it's kind of my philosophy with tuning PAs. Like my mix is already dialed in. It was dialed in before right. we started the tour, even though I don't know what the PAs are going to sound like. Yeah. So when I get into a room, I just tune the PA uh, to sound as good as it possibly can, yeah. you know, yeah. with the mit without touching the mix, because yeah. I know there's so many intricate things in the mix that I don't want to have to change every day just to sound better in that PA. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm getting so off topic, but uh, this great. comes, I'm coming around full circle. Uh, one, the, the second thing that Ario's front of house guy taught me was to record my mix and listen back after. And that was huge. Um, so he would record it on a CD for me and I would listen after our show. And that's when I realized, Oh, I don't have any bass guitar or toms yeah. in my mix. And I always, it was like the thing that I just forgot about. Right. I was so we didn't have many channels. We probably had 18 channels or something. Uh, just drums, two guitars, bass, and like four vocals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was always so frazzled and rushed because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, yeah. We, and he had a uh, venue profile, by the way. Yeah. So I was on a venue profile in that situation. Um, but I would always forget to like bring up the bass and the toms. And then after <laughs> that, I probably went the whole tour without toms in the mix. I, I definitely had them there. So Caleb, right. if you're listening, they were there. Yeah, they were there, Caleb. <laughs> they were there, Caleb. They were there. Uh, just <laughs> not, not quite loud enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but... Yeah, after listening back to that stuff, I would I probably would have said, "Oh crap! I wish I could go back and do that again. Fix those mixes." Yeah, uh, but you know that's the nice thing about live sound; it's it's done, one once, and done. Once yeah. you finish, yeah, the yeah. show. And except for that CD, there's no record of it. <laughs> yeah, so. and except for Ben's shows where I'm multi-tracking right. everything, <laughs> all my stems. Right. That's actually I. It used to bother me when I first started like recording board tapes. I never wanted to send them to anyone because I'm like, oh yeah. my gosh, I'm mortified. They're going to hear that vocal delay I accidentally like left up in the second verse. Yeah. Like that's so loud. Uh, or like, man, that guitar solo I had muted in the <laughs> first measure. Yeah. Right, now they're, yeah. No one knew, but now they're going to hear it if they listen to the board tape. So I was mortified. But at this point, <laughs> I still don't like people listening to mistakes that I've made, but I'm comfortable comfortable enough with my mix that I'm like, it's going to sound fine. Yeah. When they listen back. Okay. A couple of quick hit questions. I know you got to go soon. What's your go-to kick mic for live? Easy. I would say the Shure Beta 91. Okay. It's my go-to. Interesting. Um, Um, Do you use more than one kick mic? 
We have a Beta 91 on the inside and then a Beta 52 on the outside. Um, The Beta 52 was always the kick mic that all the clubs had. And I just got used to that. Yeah. I don't know if everyone else does this, but I quickly learned to like cut 180 Mm -hmm. slash 200 hertz out of the Beta 52. And if you do that, it just sounds great. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's the one thing I don't like about that mic. It's very strong right there and it's boxy sounding if you don't cut that. Um, But the 91, I feel like sounds the best on its own, like at least what I am going for. And I'm listening for two things with the kick, like the low end, the thump, and then the top end, just like a nice clean slap. And the 91, usually I'm boosting the top end, like 5K, I'm boosting like 60 or 70 hertz on the bottom end. Um, but for Jared, for whatever reason, I think it's the, the mic itself that we have from mm-hmm. Claire, who's our audio provider mm-hmm. the mic just is very bright and so for whatever reason i'm cutting like five db on the top end like interesting a, yeah. a high shelf and i'm still boosting like five db i think around 70 hertz or 60 hertz all right you're on an island and you can only have one mic with you what's your mic <laughs> because you know probably a 58 uh, okay okay because yeah. you could use it as a hammer or something if you need oh, to oh yeah 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 very durable and they yeah. still work Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right, what gonna... if there was a piece of the drum set you could get rid of? Is there mm, a piece of drum the set you don't like? Honestly. Okay. Okay. I think that's like a the newer generation of audio guys are. I love hi hats, but it's it's are, one of the most difficult uh, instruments, and cymbal slash drums to make sound the way you want it. Yeah, yeah, I uh, agree. To sound, with that. To sound yeah. really good. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. So, yeah. wh- somebody needs to hit the market with a hi hat mic that is like the just, 58 of hi hats. Yeah, you just put it on a hi hat and it sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know if it's the hi hats themselves that need, I don't know. Maybe it's just that no one puts that much thought. <laughs> yeah. There's a video <laughs> of, uh, I just shared with the team of Carter Buford's Drum Tech, and they like put a bunch of gaff tape on the top. Uh, the top hat on the inside and it does something to it that like cleans it up a little bit. Interesting. Interesting. I wasn't paying enough to actually tell I normally you guys mic, the exact thing. I mic the uh, hi-hat with the 91 actually. I put it in between the two. <laughs> so yeah. you really get that <laughs> Yeah, so you can kind of get that clack. Yeah, yeah that's really exactly, good. Of that's it hitting nice. the mic. Yeah. Okay, well, Jake, let's, let's end with this question. What, you know, there's probably some guys and girls listening right now that want to hit the road that mm-hmm. want to mix in the studio, they want to do what you do, and they want to you know, do all these things. What's some advice that you'd tell them, maybe the younger Jake, well, also about like uh, just mixing or life on the road? Or um, That's a really big question. Um, I've had coffee with a few people that have asked me these things, and I think the biggest advice I've given people is uh, the way I started was just touring with a band and so honestly like the the lowest barrier to entry i feel like is finding friends that have a band yeah. and they're playing some shows and just saying hey will, will you let me come mix front of house at your shows yeah you know um and that's how i might get started it's tough if you're in a city where there really aren't a lot of bands or local artists but that's I don't know. I think that's the easiest thing to do short of like joining a company, like a sound company. Yeah. Right. And that's what I never did. Um, but I actually really like that. I, 
just started figuring it out on my own. Um, yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. But yeah, tour life is hard. When I, that first tour with Ario, um, one thing I noticed was all of the crew guys seem to have kind of strained relationships with their families. Yeah. Well, I'm sure some of them had great relationships, but in general, like all the roadie people, um, it just seemed like most of them were divorced or did not have families um, yeah. or good yeah. relationships. And I, I kind of made a promise to myself that I did not want to end up like that. Yeah. yeah. So I've been, I've made a conscious effort to tour with artists that do not drink a lot, that do not do any drugs, um, and that don't tour that much in general. <laughs> yeah. Like Ben will do 60 shows a year, probably max, at least at this point, that's what we're doing. Right. Wolfpack does 20 max or 30 max. Um, and I mean, I may tour with, with an, if it's like a really huge artist, like a massive artist, I would do a world tour. Yeah. Like if Taylor's listening right now. Yeah. I would, I would, I would do your tour. Yeah. 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 Um, she's probably listening. So no, probably. She is. Yeah. Hey Taylor. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, I've made those conscious decisions and part of, part of that is continuing to do studio work and focusing on building that up so that yeah. when I decide I do not want to tour anymore, I can continue to, to make money mixing Yeah, and that's great. You know, be around kids and stuff. That's yeah, awesome. man, that's, I mean, that's really wise stuff. You made a lot of really good decisions. You seem like such a nice guy. Yeah. I feel like Thank you, you just radiate. I'm pretty sure we're all best friends now. Yeah, we, <laughs> do we sure. just become yeah. best friends? Yeah. I hope we're recording. Yeah, that I would, forgot to hit record. Well, thanks, man, for joining us. I hope <laughs> yeah, you thanks for having me. Enjoy yeah. the night. We're looking forward to yeah. kind of watching you do your thing tonight. Yeah, it was great talking so. to you. Cool. All right, man. See ya. Okay, we are back in the studio, and I want to share with you guys something really quickly that happened to me just yesterday. Uh-oh. Okay. Sitting in the green Sounds room. fresh. Yeah, I was getting ready for Easter, and I was like, you know what? I want to do something uh, special <laughs> with... Yeah, the, what was that? The bottom of my shoe just fell off. <laughs> <laughs> really? No, it was uh, my phone that Someone with really good uh, headphones probably heard probably that. Probably heard that. Probably. Uh, everyone else is like, what are they even talking about? They <laughs> should like, definitely <laughs> cut that out, oh but gosh, that you're was wrong. Like the dumbest not going to. response. <laughs> the bottom of my shoe yeah. fell off. <laughs> Okay, so here's what happened. I was like, you know what? I'm going to spice lyrics up a little bit for Easter, make it a little bit brighter. You know, okay. our house lights are going to be Fancy. higher than normal. Where the lights are going to be brighter than normal because it's, mm-hmm. it's a happy day. It's, it's yeah. Easter. It's like right. the Super Bowl for church, you know? Yeah, um, or like, uh, no, good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or the superb owl, yeah. some people say. So <laughs> I put some lyrics up and I just left it on the screen. Uh, mm-hmm. But that feed goes to the green room yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, we were meeting, talking about services and stuff and the worship guys were in there and I was like, hey, what do you guys think? This is what I'm thinking, like lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you guys think about mm-hmm. this? And mm-hmm. they, they all looked at it and they were just like, huh. Mm-hmm. And I immediately was like, okay, they don't like it, which is, I'm cool. Like, hey, if you don't like it, it's not like, yeah. that's not me on the screen. It's just right. something that I spent some time doing. And I was like, so what do you guys think? And they're like, I don't know. Like, uh, and so it basically, you know, long story short is I forced them that we're going to do it. Mm. Uh, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. But I did change some things based yeah. off of some feedback. Okay. Um, and then I looped one of our graphics guys in and, I was, and he was like, you should do this. And I was like, I definitely should do that. It looks great. It's going to be awesome. You guys will probably yeah. hear about it. Yeah. Um, but it kind of looped me into a thought process of just like, how I would love 
for people to give me feedback. Yeah. So like probably not going, huh. Huh. Mm. Huh. Especially like, you know, someone response. that you work yeah. with like every day pretty much. And so, and just kind of being honest, but like respectful. Um, but also even, I feel like at least for me personally, I don't feel like I'm taking it personally if they don't like something mm-hmm. that I designed. It's not like, the, again, it's not me on the screen. Yeah. But it was just like, and maybe, you know, I'll give them the, uh, not the shadow of a doubt. That's that's not the something that you benefit? get. The benefit of the doubt. The eggs benedict. Without a doubt. shadow of the doubt, I will give them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> benedict. Oh, that was good. Um, that, you know, maybe they actually didn't know. But I was just kind of thinking, like, how do you guys, if there's something on the screen that someone doesn't like, mm-hmm. or maybe it sounds bad, or not bad, but they just don't like it, or maybe mm-hmm. there's something, um, I don't know, even lighting that someone's not a fan of. What, what would you guys like? You're saying like, how would I like to yeah, hear what their would feedback? You, yeah, and you know, not like uh, you just don't want to hear it, but obviously sure. we want to hear uh, constructive criticism. Yeah, we don't want to just think everything we do 100 percent of the time is amazing. Mm-hmm. But like, so let's say the graphics aren't looking awesome, you know, colors are off. I don't know something, but how? What would you yeah. guys want? Like, if you were me, and I was worship guy, what would you want me to say in that situation if it was you? Personally, I am a big fan of direct and like pretty immediate feedback. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Yeah, just like that. Okay. I'm, a, I'm a robot, basically. See, that was really that, immediate. That was it. Yeah. Um, no, I just, the whole thing of like, oh, I don't like that. That's not helpful. And I think it's, yeah. if you should be able to articulate what it is specifically. And if you don't, at least be able to kind of explain it instead of just, oh, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I find myself a lot of times having to do a lot of question asking in those situations of like hey do you think if the text were bigger or do you think if like there was a box around this or whatever like i don't know i kind of find myself in that camp more than i'd kind of like to but it's i don't know sometimes people they just need help formulating and articulating those opinions and they don't have it like right off the top of their head i also Mm -hmm. come from a work background before here where everything thrived on feedback where it was like a big part of the culture so then i came here and not that feedback doesn't happen, but I don't know. I wish yeah. it happened more often. Yeah, you but would. I would say probably not during a service unless nope. it's like oh, a yeah, yeah, production yeah. emergency. Certainly. It's probably not the best time to walk up to you, your program operator or even just a, no. a director yeah, who's yeah. just got calm on or something be like, hey, like I'm sure. thinking this for the lyrics. Yeah. You know? right. But if service ends at like 10.32 and someone comes to me at 10.34... And they say something like, I appreciate that way more than like three weeks go by. And then like, oh, yeah, hey, the other day this was kind of weird or like this sounded whatever. That's not helpful. And I think it just adds to the thought of like collaboration with production. And it really gives us an opportunity to like really step in and like serve and not just feel like, oh, I worked hard on this. And someone just said they didn't like it. Now I got to try again. And they're not going to collaborate and help me figure it out. So I don't know. That's my stance. Chris? My two cents. Um, I would say... This is actually ties into something that happened to me yesterday. I sent out some, uh, uh, basically a template example of what I was thinking for doing for Easter lyrics. Okay. I was like, hey, what do you think? And um, You emailed this? No, I texted oh, it to a couple it. of people. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, you can be honest, it's not going to hurt my feelings. You know? So um, m- both of those people gave me feedback which was good i would say i want honest feedback um it doesn't have to be mean feedback yeah. but i do want honest feedback sure and also um uh i guess if i don't ask for your opinion 
Ooh. I would also mm-hmm. maybe, unless there's like Ooh. something wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't necessarily okay. care to hear your feedback. Yeah. Um, now, if it's feedback that. What if it's literally if feedback? It, literally. I never want to hear feedback. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, but no, it doesn't mean like I don't want to hear your opinion, right. but. I'm also probably less prone to receive your You're probably just not, you're not considering it as heavily as if like, if Isaac and Plano was like, hey, Chris, I'm thinking we need to turn the guitars up versus maybe like a, you know, no offense out there, maybe a shuttle driver who's like, hey, Chris, I'm thinking the snare needs Mm -hmm. to be turned up. You're probably like more apt to listen to Isaac. Or like if Napoleon was like, hey, I think I'm going to go take over that country. He's probably not looking for one of his guys to be like, uh, no, uh, I think that that really um, you know reverberates well with our generation. I think mm-hmm. so. so yeah. What were you going to say, Rachel? I was going to say, <laughs> what if said shuttle driver came up to you? By the way, that was hard to say. Said shuttle driver. Yeah, no. Say that three um, times fast. No, I'm not going to try that. Could go bad. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. could go badly. Um, what if they came up to you and they were like, "Hey, would you mind? I have some opinions about this." Like, if they ask, does that make it different? Are you still thinking uh, like I didn't ask you? Like, yeah. if they ask for permission. Right, yeah, that's um, almost like a... Like I said, I'm open to feedback. Right. I would just be less prone to probably receive your feedback if I didn't know, like if I didn't ask for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. if you just came up and offered your opinion or was like, hey, do you mind if I tell you what I think about the lyrics? Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think like, what kind of uh, Rachel, Ra- what Rachel was saying is even when you are providing feedback to be specific. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times, even with creatives, they'll be in meetings where they'll show something cool that they made, some Mm -hmm. logo or whatever. And you're just like, I just want to be like, that is super cool. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's like, that's almost unhelpful in a lot of ways because it's like, okay, what is cool? So I always try to remember like when I see a new branding or some art, that mm-hmm. our team, our comms team has done or something, try to be specific. Like, oh man, I love that yeah. outline of the, you know, yeah. whatever it is. Totally. And just like, and not fake it, but obviously like be specific with what you like, but also what you don't like. Oh, mm-hmm. I don't like that mm-hmm. line right there. And not just like, ah, I don't like that. Yeah. It's not, e- I think even in, I had an article pulled up here about words to use with creatives. Oh yeah, I About saw that. saying like good, like mm-hmm. on a, it basically rates words from like zero to 10 and how, um, you know, pretty good is like less than a five and average is really just over a five and mm-hmm. great is actually like an 8.08. And perfect is the highest word. Like when you look at something, you're like, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. It's like the best compliment you can get. But Mm -hmm. even saying things like very good, like there's a scale. So it's even, even that's interesting. But I think you're right on just being specific with, especially in our world of like, oh, I thought the lights look cool. Like, yeah, that's like like, too general. And it's kind of like, it's empty. Like, what do you mean they're cool? Yeah. So, I mean, where do you think they actually did they say where like super duper was on that scale? I don't think super duper was on it, but I would yeah. probably put super duper at, at above an eight. Me personally, it'd okay. be pretty high if they were like, dude, it sounded super duper today. Yeah. Well, I think I'd that like, question really Chris was super that. duper. And so, thanks, man. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Wow. Look at that, putting a bow on it. Would you say this episode was super duper? I would say it was pretty super duper. Yeah. Well, um, I would say, yeah. Hey, Super you know, if you guys haven't checked out um, Jake Hartsfield's stuff, go oh, give yeah. him a follow. Yeah. Or, Check him out. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, Super nice guy. Go go see the that Magic Tour. I mean, mm-hmm. Magic Tour is really great. He's going, they're yeah. 
headed toward the West Coast. They might be there yeah. now. You know yeah. what? This tour might be over by the time this I will say this. Be. I don't think we said this in the, the interview at all, but um, Ben Rector's band is phenomenal. Oh, they are they're all amazing. insane. Amazing yeah. I think like two of them have perfect pitch, and it's like, cool. You're just like... yeah. The greatest musicians ever. Yeah, and Jake was a really nice guy. Super I mean, nice he guy. was. Super I don't know duper. if we mentioned it in the Super interview, duper. but he really was like. It was almost like, man, you are just a really nice person. Just yeah. want to hang out. You're with almost you. too nice. Like, yeah, you're like, like, going like too what's far going on? <laughs> what's really going <laughs> on, Jake? I'm just kidding. He's just kidding. He's a great guy. All right, well, we'll be back with you guys and gals in a couple of weeks. That's right. Um, we'll be. We got Easter coming up this weekend, so we do. You know, Busy week. Nobody's also, listening to this in our world. They're all prepping no. right now yeah. for the weekend. But I also like believe is our live animals and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> live animals is our next episode. Something different. Oh my gosh! I think uh, I forgot. Uh, we've yeah, we've got the live episode coming up. Oh, are there any updates on that? We do. Um, we do have that coming up. It's Chris, did an, you an update on the live episode? Yeah. Well, the yeah. update is it's going to be super duper. And uh, you guys are going to love it. Okay. Well, yeah. Rachel brought up an even better point is that the next episode. A super or duper point. The next episode is going to be our intern episode. Oh, and yeah. what that means mm-hmm. is uh, we're going to come to come in the studio, get them all set up, good to go. And then I'm going to leave. We're and they're going to record, record an episode. Yeah, we're just going to walk out. And so I told them, hey, I'm going to have to review it in case you guys, you know, there's something mm-hmm. on there. Uh, we'll just cut it, but hopefully, well, I told him if it's if it's bad, I'm, it's just going to be me saying, "Hey, this is the intern episode. Sorry, guys." And it'll be like a and it'll be them doing their clip. intros. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's, it's pretty exciting. They're they're pretty pumped. I've put a lot of pressure on them. Hope they feel it. Yeah. To uh, the thousands of people that are going to be hearing. I think it. they so know what's be excited. I mean, our interns are we got a cool. They're super little, duper. They're great. They're, yeah, I feel like now we're. Super duper now is like a six. Meaningless now. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like yeah. an average thing. Yeah. But I'm excited for that. So be on the lookout in a couple weeks for our intern episode. See you guys. See ya. Bye. Hello, is this Kevin? Yes. Kevin, dude, it's Cameron. Listen, um, I need your help. I messed up. I've, I'm sitting in front of the HDR one in Kids Village, uh, in Flower Mound, and I think I broke the card. Uh, sorry, I, I'm in class right now. I can't help you. No, dude. Sorry about that. I, listen, there's. There's audio on this car, dude, that I gotta get. Sorry, is there I'm, anything I'm, you can I really help? I can, can't help. Can you help at all? Um, can Please. you uh, give uh, Brad a call, Brad Weigel, a call? Yes, what's his number? Um, Man, is, sorry, is he I, working? I really, I really can't talk right now. Dude, this car, bro. They're gonna... They're gonna... They're going to fire me.